voll. In other episodes, you can also... What? Sorry. <laughs> Hi, this is Sam. And this is Veer. Welcome to the Tuesday Wine Club, where we chat with experts from a variety of disciplines to talk about their experiences and joke about lessons learned over a glass of wine. Or two. Maybe three. How about four? Okay, no, we have to stop somewhere. Maybe five, but we stop at five. In other episodes, you can also find us discussing pop culture moments like the latest Taylor Swift album. Sam, which latest Taylor Swift album? I mean, I'm deciding between Fearless Taylor Swift's version or like, I'm still on Evermore. But I mean, there's so many. Wait, but first ask yourself, have you ever wanted to work in creative industries but don't know how to get started? Do you like to listen to inane conversations about pop culture? Or do you just want an excuse to drink a glass of wine? I mean, that's why I'm here. <laughs> if so, this is the podcast for you. In each chapter... Yes, we like to call them chapters, not episodes, we're pretentious. We talk to people who are killing it in their respective industries from fashion and design to journalism, activism and so much more. Additionally, we speak to some friends with clout who we've low-key forced into recording with us. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, definitely hit subscribe and join us every week for a new session of the Tuesday Wine Club. Because Tuesday is just not too early for the glass of wine. Truer words have never been spoken. I'm way too excited for this. <laughs> I was just gonna say hi, Sam, but like, cool, take it away from me. No, no, you can say hi, Sam. Like, let's stay tradition. Hi, Sam. <laughs> hi, can you believe we're at, we're at the end? We're at 14 episodes. We did it. But also, like, I can't believe we actually did it. I know. You know, just the other day I was telling someone that we thought of this idea in, what, 2016? And we've been yeah, talking about like. it for the longest time. And we finally, hang on one second, spoke about it, conceptualized it, spoke to people, recorded, published and edited, kept it going. Edited? Yes, edited and kept it Credit going. Credit to editing goes to Sam. <laughs> yeah, Sam and like absolute panic because she thought one recording didn't ha- like record once. <laughs> <laughs> but also, um, more than that, I want to also give credit to us setting a weekly meeting that we didn't follow after a month and a half. Like, I feel like this is the most Veer and I have spoken to each other ever. Pinnacle of professional skill. <laughs> professional aptitude (laughs) professional commitments oh god i am so excited about this episode i some honestly sometimes i can't believe that it actually happened i know you know i think like when i listen back to the recording i'm like why didn't you speak more but at the same time i'm like i was so starstruck because the thing is i've heard i mean i've heard of her while i was at pearl i've heard of her through my mom through mohan i've heard of her through you and so I had built her up so much in my head and she completely, you know, kind of matched Lived those up to like, it, yeah. standards. But um, I was so starstruck in a way. I was just, I just want to keep listening to her speak for the rest of my life. Because she's also so eloquent. Like she's just like, she has just a really cool way of sort of capturing someone's attention when she's talking. Because at times I know I was speaking and I can, when I hear it back, I'm like, I know I lost my chain of thought here because she was talking. <laughs> And also, it's honestly kind of funny because in this podcast, I mean, in this episode, there's a moment where the devil wears Prada is addressed. And I just, and it was while we were, um, while we were planning the episode that came out last week. Yeah. And it's just funny to me that, um, you know, we went from talking about 
one editor to actually talking to another editor. Who actually doesn't like the movie. Who doesn't like the movie. And the differences could not be more, find me a word for large, um, uh, I don't know. English has failed me today. That's okay. We're, we're just going to let the audience come up with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, we've been speaking into a mic for Almost the last... Almost like over three months now. I don't have words left. Oh my God, it's been three months. More, more. We recorded more. the first episode in March. Yeah, and we decided to do this in Feb. So we, And we recorded a few tests. Can oh, you want to do the math or will I... Wait, hang on. Let me try. So... Almost five months, right? Because your birthday is already Feb. Four months. I'd say four months. We didn't actually start recording in Feb. I think let's give ourselves the credit and say five months. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. Okay, I feel like we've hyped this episode up so much over the last week because you beat and I was so excited about it. So we're going to stop talking. Get yourself a drink. It's a great episode. Whether you're listening to it while you're working, whether you're listening to it while you're walking, whatever you're doing, just like settle in. You're going to love this episode just as much as we have. Also, if you check out the Tuesday Wine Club Instagram, there is a drink recipe for there for you to follow. There which is. Which we just strongly recommend. It's not wine, but like, you know, where we can, be, we're in a pandemic, okay? Like, <laughs> <laughs> cut us some slack. Also, our guest today likes pretty drinks, so we thought, why not? On to the episode. When you think of fashion magazines, you think of Nonita Kalra. She's been at the advent of media publishing around fashion for over two decades. Whether it was her time at Elle India, Harper's Bazaar, Brides Today, or her current role at Tata Click Luxury, Nonita has consistently and fearlessly led engaging discourse around fashion and championed countless Indian creators along the way. Through her remarkable career, she's taught us all that there's always an important story to be told, but only if you're willing to put in the work to find it. Please raise your glasses as we welcome Nonita Kalra to the Tuesday Wine Club. Thanks for embarrassing me. Everyone raises glasses of water. <laughs> okay, question number one that we start everyone off with is, what is your favorite wine or drink of choice? Um, I'm very, very much a single malt girl. I really like my whiskey. <laughs> love um, it. And I love the Japanese single malts, but, you know, of course, the Scottish. And sometimes I can be very pedestrian. And actually, one of my favorite malts is... Um, Crag and more, which is just a pretty whiskey to drink. It's just pretty. That's the only word you can describe it. I I, I know the feeling. I'm going to look it up. Not with whiskey, but I know the feeling of just drinking something because it just pretty looks drinks. pretty. <laughs> this tastes feel pretty. That's the, that's the more beautiful thing. This tastes pretty. And it's it's very it's a very pedestrian sort of starter uh, single malt, easily available, yeah. affordable. But there's something about the balance that's perfect. So, you know, you don't have to chase money to think that you you have great taste because you've spent money yeah oh my god i love that can we have that as a like introductory yeah. clip <laughs> okay before we get into sort of all our questions we wanted to know what is one of the most common questions you've been asked about your career so that we can slash it out if if it's an artist Honestly, any questions on my career are fun i don't find anything boring when it comes to work yeah, yeah. because i think that Everybody asks you with a different intent. So I'm not going to judge someone's intent before it's been asked, right? So no, all questions are welcome. Excellent. To me, and I don't have to skim through our questions. <laughs> oh my God, take this out. little this Google up. Doc next to us. <laughs> okay, you've always platformed quality journalism in every magazine that you've been at in all of your jobs. 
how do you how do you approach a story as a journalist huh thank you for asking me a really tough question i think that first you have to decide if the story is worth telling right um just yeah. because you're convinced about it doesn't make it a worthy story go out and do your research find out is it what people want to listen to is it is it a trend what is happening around it should you know we all think our story is the most important story in the world but that's not true so first put it through a slightly yeah. harsh measure and that's why i would say it edit meetings come prepared to defend your story because i'm going to break it down and tell you why you shouldn't do it yeah you have to defend your story if you believe in it so i think that you've got to do the research you've got to tell tell a story that's worth telling because words are really valuable you are given this beautiful weapon don't waste them right so i think yeah. that's step 1 is it a story worth telling then tell it well put journalistic rigor through it just because you're working in fashion doesn't mean you can allow those things to slip the why what how that sure. is critical you are in fact the role of fashion is so important in the way we put a cultural context to our lives to anthropology to politics i don't know why we try and dumb it down yeah so it's got to have the same journalistic mm. rigor anything else has um and then tell it beautifully tell it with empathy tell it to include tell it with optimism and i'm using these words really carefully because they're really important to me so that's how i would approach it mm. right and of course then if you can marry it with beautiful visuals that's just which perfect. fashion also just gives you the luxury of being able to do yeah i mean i think that you know fashion journalism has had a really special place in storytelling because you're able to take 12 pages to deliciously tell you a story you yeah. can stop and pause and mm. do your long exhalations and get deep into what the image is telling you and then you use words smartly it's a great safe space i don't know why people hate on fashion so much it's a very safe <laughs> space for creatives also because i mean i think you can tell it as a narrative you it's not just it is a fact checked research journalistic story but it is also a narrative that you're taking your readers on you can do it month after month i mean if you remembered bazaar we would start with an annual edit meeting and i would say treat it as stepping stones to where you want to end 2021 and what you want to say in 2022 right and it has to logically hmm. it's it's concentric circles it's logically going up and up into a final communication right but everything has to logically lead right. one day you can't say that i stand for women's rights and then next day be against feminism your yeah. there is consistency yeah your tone has storytelling to has to be consistent every magazine is a chapter in a larger book I'm just getting so many like quotable moments. I'm loving it. <laughs> But you know, it's very interesting you spoke about edit meetings because one of our questions is about, you know, sort of take us behind the scenes what are what are some things people don't know or realize about being an editor in chief at a fashion magazine because I think people's association is so or at least to an extent is so warped with the whole Miranda Priestly. Yeah. Miranda Priestly, Jacqueline Carlyle. Yeah, they tend to forget that there's more to it. <laughs> You know I'm very amused about how we can't shake off the devil wears Prada because that's just the most ridiculous thing yeah. I've ever seen, right? I mean it violates every kind of human right and I don't know why people celebrate it and <laughs> fashion has never been mean. That's what I've noticed and you know we we've worked together. That's very it's true. it's kind. Yeah. I think what people forget is that like any job it's bloody hard work. 
Monday mornings mean you have to have your A game on because there's an edit meeting every Monday. We we had edit meetings every morning because I like everybody to know what the other person is doing. If you're yeah. doing a magazine, it's a collaborative effort. Every cog, every wheel must know what the other person is doing. Otherwise, you're going to have incomplete storytelling. There will be gaps. There will be things will mm-hmm. slip through, right? So I think that being a magazine editor is the most unglamorous job in the world. You work very, yeah. very hard. And I know Veer will tell you that I would wake up at four o'clock. I can confirm this I'd wake up at time. four, reply to emails, <laughs> work out, come to work early, be part of everything, know what people are sourcing for a shoot, know the shoes they're taking for a shoot. I mean, I, I, I was just the biggest busybody with great superpowers super of hearing what's happening at the other end of the room. Um, it's hard work, but the... It's also hard work to work with creative people and make sure they get their due. You can either ignore what they want to do Mm. or you can check in with them and say, am I giving them freedom? Am I giving them a voice to express themselves? Equally, are they staying within the tone of voice and brand? So it's about giving people freedom, but sort of being the shepherd that flocks them and goes, listen, try it this way, try it this way. Um, It's about many, many failures. Every day you find something that you could have done better. So it's a very humbling experience. Yeah. Uh, but you have to dust yourself mm-hmm. off and pick yourself up and go, okay, I will continue. Because honestly, what I've learned about anything is showing up every single day. Consistency. I know it's so boring and so unglamorous, but show up at work, be present, say, okay, I learned from this. This is what I'm going to do. Um, the other thing is working with young people. You have to nurture them. That's a really hard part of your job. I mean, I'll tell you this and you will laugh, but you will get it. I was never allowed PMS from the time I was 31 because I had other young women who were always having PMS. So I had to forget Mm. about the fact that I was a woman who also struggled. Um, But I had very, very supportive young people working with me who also gave me space to have an off day. Yeah. So So again, you know, so much of it is managing creative people. They will have off days. You will have off days. It's a place of of being incredibly forgiving and of not holding grudges against each other. You know, I was just reading that whole Chimamunda thing. I am appalled that a young woman who would intern with her would attack her. If I was upset with my boss, and sometimes I've been upset with senior journalists I've worked with, I've called them and said, did you really mean that? Are you really pro-so-and-so? I didn't like Mm. what you said, but I would not take to social media to cancel them. So, you know, you have to create yeah. a safe space 100%. where people feel they can talk to each other and protect each other, uh, other long after you've stopped working with each other. So while I've said nothing about a magazine, the hard work is the people. <laughs> I can confirm this 100% because I would... I remember towards the tail end of my internship with Bazaar, I would be like, I need to show up to work before Nonita gets there. Just because, like, I want... We've had conversations about this, I swear, because he used to call me, he's like, I'm I just, just wanted to, get to, to sort of visualize <laughs> what the entrance actually looked like. What did you bring to work? All of that sort of stuff. But I was like, but she's always there early. <laughs> so <laughs> how much earlier do I need to leave Gurgaon to reach Noida in time <laughs> to be there before her? <laughs> okay. Um, this is something I've actually wanted to ask you since last year which was Bazaar was such a predominantly print-focused publication. Um, with, I mean, its digital presence was predominantly Instagram, I want to say. What was it like leading a publication like that into a pandemic where so much importance was suddenly placed on digital presence and for sort of digital platforms to take center position? You know, um, if you love storytelling, any format is fine. 
All right. I love print. Yeah. I think there's nothing more luxurious than print because every time totally you pick agree. up a magazine and you stop to read it, your full focus is on the magazine. You're not scrolling through your phone and you're not distracted by TV. You are immersed in the subject. And if it's pr- produced beautifully and there's long form and stories, they, you know, um, mm-hmm. one of the things you learned at L is that a magazine is my time to myself. It's that one time women have yeah. to themselves and you will, I can confirm this view that no woman really has time to herself. She's always looking after other people or doing a hundred things. And we celebrate yeah. our ability to multitask. Whereas I think we should abandon it. We should find solo focus. If we did, we mm. could, we do rule the world, but imagine how different things would be. Um, so the luxury print was always there, but when the pandemic hit, your storytelling had to be easier. It had to be more snackable. Yeah. People yeah. needed solace. Your print magazine couldn't reach them. Remember, we had the issue ready. We couldn't print. We couldn't go to the press. You couldn't send it to somebody's house because they didn't want to touch it. And I think the biggest strategy, tra- tragedy of Bazaar was that it never had a website because it would have been so fun to do that. Instead, we were forced to go to Instagram. And it was a crowded space. But I think what we did in Bazaar was we just said, let's have fun. So we took a really serious magazine and said, what do we want? We want fun. We want to touch the joy. We're going to launch our covers with, you know, the theme song from Friends. Do you remember how we hummed it week after yeah, week yeah, yeah. in various ways? I think what we did is we took, however, we took the same level of sophistication and storytelling into, into Instagram. We didn't treat it as a sort of a stepchild. We treated it with the same respect. Yeah. And I think that's mm-hmm. why we did well. We loved it. We just loved the storytelling on it. And everybody, do you, I, I remember thinking, what's wrong with us? We were not digital first at all. And we all jumped into digital and told a hundred stories at this breathless pace and loved it. I think we owned that space. And I know that a lot of people are still talking about what Bazaar did then. Because a lot of young people are the team yeah. that was, you know, um, retrenched. A lot of them are getting work based on that. So how was yeah. it? It was fabulous. I loved the accelerated pace. I want to tell a story every minute. So I loved it. I enjoyed it. I can't forget the sort of risks that were suddenly taken with the covers itself, whether they were animated or illustrated, I think. And that's something that you don't see with fashion magazines. You don't see them yeah. opening up to sort of art and illustration in that way. Um, didn't, so you for bizarre think, to create- didn't you think Vogue did it beautifully, Vogue Italy? No, Vogue Italy also has that precedent. Yeah. Um, but for the magazine like Bazaar, where I sort of, I, I feel like I knew the Bazaar system fairly well by the time I left. And for them to suddenly have collaborated with like, I think it was 10 artists or something and like 10 different covers released on the same day. It was a joy. I, I wrote to 21 illustrators. And I told them this. I said, I'm sorry, we don't have the budgets to pay you, but please know whether you say yes yeah. or no, you can count on our support because it is not conditional to you doing a cover mm. for us. And 12 of them said they would do the covers. And we released a cover every hour. It was 24 hours with art. Yeah. It was, and people are still talking about that work. You know, Raju Villa, Joya Log, her work went viral. Sabia bought her stuff. Uh, Lisa Ray bought, bought a lot of her work. She always says mm. that it was really interesting what Bazaar did, you know, that one collaboration. It, that's the power yeah. of good storytelling. It's not the power of just digital. It's the power of telling the right story in the right way at the right time. You know, I'm not saying this because we're chatting with you today, but 
for the longest time i felt that not just bazaar in india but bazaar sort of globally because i've to be honest i've mostly witnessed the uk version and india and a little bit of the us i've seen and i'm talking completely from a design perspective i find it so much more enjoyable to browse through i'm and i'm only talking print issue because i collect a few of them yes, you but, but i i hope <laughs> i love you already but i just find them so much oh my god no it just actually loves me but i just find them so much more enjoyable to go through because when i started really you know sort of reading bazaar i was studying um i was specializing in um audience interaction and curation at university and i was uh, and we as a project we were making a magazine i was in charge of art direction and every time i looked at several magazines i was sort of drawn to bazaar more because they were experimental i would never see the same layout sort of twice or even if i did see it twice it was there was something unique about it and i don't know i i still maintain this to this day that if i have to collect magazines i'm collecting bazaar because i know every issue will give me something new and that over there that small box that i was allowed to carry back is proof the rest is in boxes in my aunt's house in harrow <laughs> i can't wait to get back to you them. know what what i love about bazaar and its design and i i'm glad that you referenced the uk one i like it more than the us one to be very honest with you even though the mother yes. brand is in the US and i don't think they love yeah. the uk mm. one they think america thinks america always <laughs> does everything best um but what you'll find common across all bazaars around the world is that they understand the use of white space you know leaving yes. leaving yes. a page yes. blank for someone to interpret it their way and tell their own story because what is a really good story when you can see yourself in it when it talks to you when you can put yourself in it yeah. and it means something in your life that's a complete story it's yeah. not just my point of view it's how it becomes your point of view and i tell people this and it's a very bizarre thing i don't watch a lot of movies you know i'm not very visual i'm very i read and i love reading because nobody tells me how green the trees are it's for me to decide yeah it's your interpretation If I was to describe my creativity, I'm hugely anarchic. I hate being told what to do. Veer, you will know that about me. I yeah. hate it. I resent it. If you ever want to lose my respect, tell me. But we always did it this way, and I'll be like, "That's the reason not to do it anymore. We'll never do it again." I, I, I'm very reactive. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I like anarchy because yes. I think true creativity comes from chaos. And a good editor's job yeah. is to bring that chaos together and put it into something that makes sense. Hmm. So yeah. Um, I like the use of white space because it allows me to decide how I want to enter the story and how I want to exit it, and yeah. that's the very mature thing about Bazaar's design. That's the unique thing. This is a great segue into my next question. But since we're talking about design and Bazaar, what is your favorite cover? And I know this is a tough question. We asked Mohan this last week, and he said it was like asking, like you know, picking your favorite children. <laughs> But what is your favorite cover you've ever published at L and Bazaar? No, I'm not L answering that. I'm not answering it. They're all. You know what? I'll tell you. We've done some really beautiful covers and some spectacularly hideous covers, but they were all at L. <laughs> every single cover came from fearlessness, and I celebrate yeah, that. Yeah, that's exactly what Mohan said. <laughs> that's verbatim. That's because we talk said. about this, you know. But that Ujjwala Raut cover, she's in this fuchsia jacket, and Mohan put a heart full, and he made it trendy. And for uh, today's stylists, don't know how to do that. 
stylists don't bring mm. in a unique individual element to it that will make their photograph stand apart. They're happy to put head to toe Gucci and think that's styling. That's really boring. You know, I remember the shoot that Mohan did with Carol. She was in these little shorts of Aki Narula's and she didn't have bangles. He took, mm. they, were, they were shooting outdoors and there were hose attachments and he made bangles with pipe hoses. Yeah. He stacked them beautifully. I, I would look forward to that because I wanted an element of crazy, you know. But equally, we did a hideous cover with Danny Minogue and we gave her headgear and we didn't carry the image once, we carried it twice. And I laugh when I think of it. One issue, you know, it was our seventh anniversary. I said, let's do the seven colors of the rainbow. And every, ish, every segment was devoted to a color. I mean, we were yeah. mad. We were fearless. Yeah. I look at those covers now and I think they were spectacular. They hold. Because they had exuberance and energy and you wouldn't mm. put it away. You would pick up that magazine. You would not set it yeah. aside. Yeah. Bazaar was a different language. It was more elegant. It was older. It was, um, there were struggles because... Budgets were small and we had to do some sort of collaborations for marketing. And yet, you know, I, I think the cover that I thought that was one of our maddest covers was when we put three writers on the cover. Who the hell puts Tamima Anam, Fatima Bhutto and Tishani Doshi on the cover? We had no money for this issue. All the clothes were coming to my house. Um, some of them got lost. I remember Appam and I on Ebury Street rang every doorbell and said, did this parcel come to you? One woman screamed and said, if you don't walk away now, I'm calling oh the police. God. We walked in. I found out what everyone does on this street by walking in. There are Airbnbs and skin clinics and nail clinics. We did not know this. We found out by ringing doorbells cold because we couldn't find these clothes. My husband, who's a banker, was booking taxis for people to come and go from the shoot. <laughs> to go to the airport. We paid out of the edit budget for Tishani to fly down for a night from New York. Let no one tell you that being a fashion editor is a glamorous job. Let me tell you that the production, it was up and me and Eddie, we did everything. We were ironing clothes, we were taping shoes. There was no like, la la la, life is easy. Okay, it was a brave cover. And it was true to its heart of reading. And I'm so glad that we could make celebrities out of people who deserve to be celebrities you know i'm so glad you said you said the fact that you know you were also literally sitting and ironing you know clothes and preparing for shoots and your husband was helping i think people sometimes forget or don't realize that in fashion just because it looks glamorous and this is going back to where we started talking about this but just because it looks glamorous there is no hierarchy when it comes to a deadline you will find everyone from the CEO to the editor to the showroom assistant packing collections, zipping things up, calling for taxis. It's and it's I've been an intern in the same environment and I've been like a full time employee in one environment. And you see that nobody will say, oh, I'm at this position. I'm not going to do this. And I think that's you what know, people that's it's s- not the case with you. every magazine editor. There are some who hmm. are very hierarchical. Okay. Um but I, this is mm. not for me to name names. But Veer has probably seen it sitting in the same office. Yeah. Speaking of me sitting in the same office, this is a, another This is another question that I wanted to ask you since this event happened two years ago. Veer is basically asking you all, all the, the things, questions. Yeah. He has just registered in a little bag. Okay, so I'm actually just going to read it out because I don't want to mess it up. Um, okay, when I was interning at Bazaar, there was a meeting that you would held about deciding the copy for the cover of the next issue. I, this was right around the time that I was finishing my internship. And I remember you inviting all the interns in and talking to us about how 
above everything, we were an Indian fashion magazine and how that was important to reflect in every page from sort of every word to the design of the page in itself, which you've spoken a little bit about. Could you elaborate on the necessity of not only reflecting, but also reinforcing our South Asian identity within the sort of global fashion discourse through our pages? You know, it's a lesson I learned from the L team that um, I would meet in Paris. Uh, They told me, they said, you become an authority on your country, on your fashion. We don't need you to tell us about Paris and Milan and New York. We know that. But they said, Mm. when you are the editor-in-chief of L, you represent your country. You must know everything about the fashion. You must celebrate it. You must be the authority. You have to remember, I was 31 years old when I became the editor. I didn't know this job, right? I was a young kid who had a lot of pressure and I had zero strategy. I remember Anil Dharkar called me and said, what is your strategy for the magazine? And I said, none. I'm going to first make sure no spelling mistakes go in the copy. And then I'm going to feel my way through it. I said, I've Mm. got to trust my intuition. I have to, because it's such an emotional job. So um, I think that that's something that stayed with me. And what, you know, when you saw the first Fashion Week in 2000, you saw how the industry was developing. I have an incredible pride in what we do. If you look at uh, fashion around the world, there are most countries that don't have a Mm. strong voice like we do. They don't have textile. They don't have craft. They don't have the history. If we're yes. not going to celebrate that and look towards the West, like a lot of people are doing, I'm I'm surprised that more stylists want to design with Gucci and Louis Vuitton than they want to pick up a Rahul Mishra or find a yeah. young designer yeah. like Bloney or even work with bodice and create something. Mohan and I used to speak yeah. to designers and say, we're doing this shoot. Will you create something special for us? We want to put it on the cover as our storytelling and Rajesh has done it and Wendell has done it and we put... Indian designer after an Indian designer on the cover with nothing but love and joy. Um, Why is it more important now? I mean, let's get real. How, when are we going to make identity front and center? Isn't it high time? It's 2021. What have we not got the pride? Why are we aping people? Look at our bodies. Look at our, look at our instinct, our instinct goes towards color. Our instinct goes towards yeah. drape. Yeah. Our instinct, we wear clothes differently. You've both lived abroad. How we wear clothes yes. is very different from the way a foreign person wears their clothes. They have a different relationship. When yeah. you're in London, mm-hmm. they wear their trenches and they wear their tweeds. It's instinctive to them, but they don't understand color. We will wear yes. yellow with purple. You'll wear it in a Kanjivaram sari and look divine. Yeah. How would we not celebrate? This is content, right? This is content and identity and comes yeah. from the heart. Um, I'm confounded by why we would not take it and make it front and center about who we are because we can't run away from it. Yeah. And why should you to begin with? If you don't know who you are, how will you communicate anything to the rest of the world? It begins and ends with you. Yeah. I'm still okay. I've got quotable moment four. <laughs> That's it. I'm Probably not doing six. my job properly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm. I'm so focused on what you're saying because, like, it's just so interesting to chat with someone about this. Just not not only from sort of an identity perspective, and 
I don't know. My brain is just going through. Oh my God, we've talked All so much already. All of these quotable moments. If we ever make like a left. draft magazine cover for the podcast artwork, we can use these moments as the copy. Okay, so moving a little bit forward. Um, you're now the editor-in-chief of Tata Click Luxury. What can you tell us about this new chapter? Wow, so it's different. Um, it's about giving a tone of voice to an e-commerce platform. And one of, mm-hmm. this is the conversation I keep yeah. having with my CEO. He really believes that shopping should be content-led. He says, I want an educated yeah. customer. I don't care if they buy on my app or not. But I want an educated customer because they're better informed. They're more likely to be loyal. And he says, eventually, you do just want someone to make the right choice in how they shop. Because if they don't, they leave unhappy, right? So yeah. we're trying to give... And then a, they don't come back. They don't come back. We're trying to give a tone of voice. And I think that how do you give a tone of voice to a, to a platform that seems so inanimate and yet is so real yeah. for all of you? You all download apps. You engage with mm-hmm. them differently. Um, and so what role does content play? So firstly, we're trying to move the content up so that it's more visible. We want a huge uh, yeah. aspect of discovery discover new brands come and spend more time on our app let it be a magical space for you mm. um tata click mm. luxury actually believes in slow commerce they don't just want you to shop right they want yeah. you to engage and be part of the family so one of the things we did is we started clubhouse not to sell if you notice we don't talk about shopping we don't talk about tata click uh yes. i don't even promote tata click in fact i tell people that let's mm. not talk about it because the idea is not to promote it um it's to listen to the customer Right. So yeah. that's part of tone of voice. We're here to listen. So it, it's, it's challenging. It's different. I'm so used to content being front and center here. I'm fighting to justify why content needs to be front and center, which is really interesting. Um, and I think it's time to do that. Right. Why would you not stand up and fight for something you believe in and learn to convince people? This is, in fact, just what Sam and I were talking about before you entered the call. We were talking about yeah. Glossier and their sort of how they were... Direct-to-customer model and how they are so interactive with their with their customers and how they really do take feedback and work on it. I mean, everything from the... Like, they've reformulated their lipstick formula so many times based on what their customers have said. Even Victoria Beckham Beauty, to an extent, they do really reach out to customers and ask what kind of lip color do you want to see help us name it like sort of shopping has be- started to become more interactive you're not just picking up off the shelf you help decide what goes and on content the will help you content will help you right how do we yes i mean you know uh we ravneet puts it really well she's like i don't have time i want someone to curate i want to trust someone and they edit of what i should shop yeah right and how am I, how are you going to yeah. trust me? I have to prove it. I have to tell you the right stories. I have to do the right selections. Um, I have to tell you that it's not just about shopping here. This is a larger trend. I have to crowdsource. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing I tell Butul yeah. all the time. She's with Tata Click. Mm-hmm. I'm like crowdsource. Ask people how are they wearing something. Shoot with more real people. Okay. Shoot with models because it's aspirational. I said include the influencers because love it or hate it, they are your foot soldiers and evangelists for fashion. Choose the right yeah. people. Build your relationship with them. Don't hate on them. They have made more people like fashion than fashion magazines have by being democratic. Yeah. So increase the universe, then help people find their collective of cool. So first you expand it, then you shrink it, then you make all these little universes that I hope <laughs> will link with each other. All link up, yeah. You know, 
Um, yeah. And all of this comes from instinct. If you're asking me, did I learn any of this? No. I've learned it from working with young people like Veer by listening to them, by their pushback, by every time someone hates my work or loves it. So you're in a constant state mm-hmm. of high alert. And I think Veer will confirm that I don't sleep because I'm always listening. It's it's just <laughs> such an obsession for me. <laughs> what are you guys drinking, by the way? Water. I'm, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's too early in the day to be drinking. It's too also early. Also Sunday to evenings. You have Monday morning work. You cannot drink on a Sunday. That's yeah. the that's sort of grown up life yeah. for you now. Yeah, the whole point of this podcast being called the Tuesday Wine Club was because Tuesday is not too early for a glass of wine. And <laughs> yet, by Tuesday you've earned it. Yeah, you just have to make it compulsory that whoever listens needs to have a glass of wine. But there was a point where you started making drinking games for the for them. I was just oh, going to say. Yeah, so every time I think there was one where every time someone said, uh, "What was it? what was the one?" There was, there was one, one where was every time Sam and I spoke over each other, you could drink. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cause we but that's that great. I love it. But you know, the thing is, uh, I mean, our relationship is one where we can be yelling at each other and we won't let the other person speak because we want to finish our stories and we just continuously get louder and louder. And I think this is the most well-behaved. I'm really disappointed. That's all I want you to know. <laughs> Don't worry. It's gonna, I'm sure it's going to come out in a bit once we start talking to each other. Okay. You've extensively spoken about the emotional power of fashion, especially, I think, through some personal essays, um, how it's about continuing and establishing a personal legacy. Could you talk to us about how fashion, jewelry, clothing are and will always be part of our collective emotional journeys as people? Wow, that's like not in... I mean, what do you want? Do you want me to do it? So not in Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, I spent the morning actually talking to Natasha Khurana, who does the line, and we were talking about jewelry and first memory. And I think that um, clothing, jewelry, accessories, our first memories are invariably defined uh, by our mothers and our mm. grandmothers yes. and imagery and how you touch and feel, right? And I think mm. I was very lucky that... Um, I came from a family of women who had beautiful dressing tables and I cannot explain to you the luxury of a dressing table with three mirrors and hundreds of drawers because, yeah. um, you know, my grandmother and mother would put all their precious things and their wooden stands with their lipsticks and their little jeweled yeah. pieces. And um, if you're curious as a child, I would just spend hours just opening these drawers and dusting them and putting them away. and. The magic of finding glass bangles so sheer that if you didn't hold them a particular way, they would snap as a young girl. To see that, it's really Mm. beautiful. And then I guess, and this is Indian legacy, right? It's when when your mother puts her silks away or pulls them out for winter and then you put the chiffons and you put little neem leaves and you put them... And then you pull open carpets and closed carpets and roll them and you go and you touch textile and fabric... Everything becomes emotional because it's linked with memory. It's linked with people you love and it becomes emotional because you realize that when you touch Mm. these things, there's almost a visceral reaction that you have. Um, And it's a reaction that comes when you engage with things of beauty. We have all forgotten why art exists. It exists to make you cry, to move you, right? That's what beautiful things do. That's my quotable moment. Beautiful things, uh, beautiful things are not useless. Beautiful things are there to elevate. And that's what fashion does. I mean, fashion is the highest form of beauty. You put it against your skin. 
it tells your story. Yeah. Why do you select a drape? Why do you select an indigo? Why am I wearing this particular polka dotted gray? Because there's something about this fabric that I love. Would you say it's a form of wearable art? You know, a we- we- wearable art almost reduces it. It's a form okay. of high beauty. It's high art for me. It's yeah. the most beautiful thing you can do for yourself. And it is the same reaction you get when you write the perfect sentence or you sharpen a pencil and open a new journal. And yeah. there's a blank page and you think, yes. I can tell any story <laughs> I want. And if we learn to engage with these little things, I think we would be kinder to ourselves if you allow yourself 100%. to... 100%. If you allow yourself to believe you deserve beauty in everything, you would be yeah. kinder to yourself and kinder to the world. So I don't know if that answers your question, but for me, it's so deeply emotional and I wish that we would just stop and, and touch things. My husband thinks I'm yeah. crazy. I don't know how to get to Victoria, Victoria Station from my house. I've lived here for three years because I don't know the left or the right, but I'll know if the flowers have changed across the road because I'm so obsessed yeah. with daydreaming and looking in the world and looking at grills on windows. That's beauty. Our eye needs it and our heart needs it more now than anywhere, anytime else. I feel like this was one of my like unplanned favorite questions to ask because you've got such a great answer. Thank you for listening, really. I hate talking about myself, by the way. So I'm waiting now for this conversation to end. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll do one last serious question and then we'll move on to the fun stuff. Um, what, according to you, are some of the most... Um, let's go with, say, three so that we don't, you know, put too much pressure. <laughs> but what are three important fashion stories from India that need to be told in 2021? Hmm. The story of the sari, I think it's really, really important. Yeah. I think it's our power suit. I think there are lots of interesting things happening around textile. I love the fact that it exists and it's worn by women and it's pure drape. And it's worn yes. literally with, you know, the sexiness of a Delhi socialite entering a party. And it's worn by a woman in Bombay as she jumps into a train to get to work, it tells stories of power for me that are really compelling. So I'm obsessed with the sari at all times. Um, I really like sort of the modern young designer and what they're doing because I think they're pushing the envelope yeah. and they're telling you stories that need to be heard. It's about a new India. It's about a new India that's yeah. that has a new sensibility. I love Bodice, for example. I think that she has yeah. a very sharp, clean yes. story to tell. Um, and that really interests me. Um, and I love how um, she in particular, I think, also has a larger story that she's telling chapter by chapter. I think like I, with bodies, especially, I think I've always just felt that design is just really smart in how it's told and in how it's um, I don't want to say rolled out because that seems very um, that seems like a very crass way of putting it, but um, unveiled, let's say. You know, I love that it is about reiteration over and yeah. over again to make a point of view and it's for a modern independent person male yeah. or female mm. or binary or whatever it's for a modern person and i can wear it and you can wear it there is something ageless um yeah and the third story that i'd love to hear is how everybody wears the kurta and i know this sounds really pedantic but i'm obsessed with the kurta no it's not it's the tunic, it's a uniform, it's comfort, it doesn't 
it's anti-fit, it's tailored, it's about the craft, it's about mm. all of that. And I think that's why people yeah. have such a reaction to Gucci's trying to appropriate the kurta. I think a lot of people were trying to go, yes. why are you getting so upset? And it's just a garment. And I do believe that, you know, I'm not sure where I stand on appropriation because sometimes it's very respectful and sometimes it feels tone mm. deaf. So I think it's a case-to-case thing. I'd never have a blanket answer for this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But for the kurta, I just, I was equal parts amused and impressed that the kurta is so important and it should be and it's worn across india across communities by everyone by everybody and i want to see those stories being told you know we have to stop thinking you have to tell the story of the trench coat yeah <laughs> yeah tell or, or this particular kind of pantsuit or the boyfriend jean no you tell me my stories you make me modern you make me cool because India is so powerful. Look at young people like you and your your determination to be heard. Why would we not literally listen to what's happening inside? Hmm? That literally started a podcast when the moment yeah. you said determination to be heard. heard. And you should be heard and you should stand up and say with your hands on your hips like little girls say listen to me. As as someone who has been that child and done that exact pose. <laughs> how does society how does society beat it out of us? Yeah. And you know that I'm a big fan of insisting people are heard. Okay, we yeah. will also tell you that if people don't work hard, I'm brutal on them. Can corroborate. As I hate that. I be. hate lazy people. I'm not saying to say because it's I true. I hate them. <laughs> it's true. I, and and then they're the biggest. I'm like, if you put the same effort in bullshitting that you put in your work to do an honest, decent day's work, then you would maybe perhaps be do yeah. better work and have it done faster. And respect your team. They're not there to clear up after you. I will clear up after you. I believe that it is my job to clear up after the team. Yeah. To be their support, but it's not anybody else's. Okay, we know you refer to yourself as a chain reader and as two chain readers on <laughs> ourselves we had to ask you this. What are three books that you recommend to our listeners? Rushdie's uh, Midnight Children, Midnight's Children, yeah. uh, okay. The Bone People by Kerwin Humes and The Confederacy of Dancers by John Kennedy O'Toole. I love that you had that prepared. Love that. Yeah. There are, you know, one is a book on Bombay the way I love it. Um Bone People is about a writer who insisted that her book would be published in the lower case she uses the word serendipity which is my favorite yeah. word and confederacy of dancers is just about people who don't fit in and you know i still love catcher in the rye and i will tell you what's on page 1 and page 200 mm-hmm. and whatever because i love it like that um but i think that it, we never know who we are and that's okay you know you all think she's 52 she has the answers bullshit no one has the answers but you know i've learned to enjoy that but also what what book are you reading right now nothing at the moment oh, yeah, by the read. way i'm thinking of what to read so i would be completely lying to you but i was thinking of going back to either fitzgerald and doing like a deep dive or hemingway because whenever mm-hmm. i feel a little angsty there's something about them that just um Yeah. It one is very elegant writing, one is big writing. Sometimes you just want that. 
Yeah, I think we all have like comfort books that we turn to or comfort stories that we. You know, for to. me, then it's Marquez. There's just so much magic in Marquez. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Yeah, it's Zadie Smith a, for me. Yeah, he's incredible. Love in the time of cholera just makes me. It's my undoing in a strange way. I think mine would be Dolly Alderton, but just because I love that woman so much. Um, okay, so we play this game with most of our guests. We will give you three words, and you have to tell us what are the first words that come to your mind. Okay, are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> we made this so tough. I feel like we made this. So come tough. on, let's try it. I may not be any good at it. You can edit it out. It's fine. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So the first word is luxury. Overused. Media. Dead. And future. Unclear. <laughs> Honestly, that I feel, think that's, that's the most realistic <laughs> set of responses we've gotten. <laughs> really? People okay, this is kinder. One hundred percent. Yeah. But that's but that, but this is also why we have you on here. <laughs> yes. Um. Okay. This is another question that's been throwing off many guests, especially of late. Um, yeah. If you could choose anyone to play you in a biopic. Who would it be? Real, fictional, doesn't Don't need have to, to bear yeah, doesn't need to bear resemblance. I'd love Dave Patel to play me. Yes. 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 Hundred percent. He's really yes. cute, and he feels really honest, and he yeah. gets into his role, and he's so yeah. much better looking than me. If I want someone playing me, they better be beautiful. <laughs> Quotable moment number. What are we on? Also, strongly recommend the cut article on Dave Patel. Do you remember we shared it with each other? How beautifully written was it? Yeah, uh, it was just yeah the most delicious article. There you go. I mean, if someone can write about you like that, Love that's it. That's me. You've made it, yeah. Okay, and our final question. We had to ask this one. How is Miss Zoe doing? This is such a great question to ask me. Miss Zoe is currently in a pet hotel in Amsterdam, on her oh way God. to me in London. Wow! So, excuse me, Miss Zoe has travelled more internationally than all of you put together. This is just yeah. And she, honestly, as she what should. What you, wait, I need to know more about this pet hotel in Amsterdam. I just need so to know. So apparently, when you fly KLM and there's a layover, KLM has the only pet hotel in the world, and so mm. Zoe's had a forty-eight-hour layover. Unfortunately, she's not been able to go out and sample the delights of Amsterdam, but she's being walked four to five times a day. They've sent me photographs of her. They said she's really cute. She has her special food taped to her cage, and she's getting cuddles by a beautiful woman called Renata, who takes all my phone calls. <laughs> oh my god, I'm obsessed. I'm so glad we asked this. I know. Like, I feel like this is this was the right time for this question. <laughs> yes, actually, I'm so delighted to have something interesting to say because I think Zoe has a better life than me. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so can you imagine what a momentous thing? She's coming. She lands in London tomorrow at eleven o'clock, and in a couple of hours, after all her paperwork is done, I'm bringing her home. How excited are you? Oh my god, I love these reunions. They just make me. I don't cry very easily, but watching like pets reunite. Oh my with, god, like, their family. Fully. I'm weeping but in Zoe, a corner, just Zoe like rocking back. Zoe is going to punish me for taking her away. I'm sorry, but she was. Oh, does she sulk as she well? She was living in a bungalow in Delhi through the lockdown with a basement, first floor, ground floor, second floor, front garden, back garden. 
she had during the lockdown two maids a cook a driver a office manager two children to play with when she left for the airport she had her bombay two maids she had nine people looking after her plus my sister and her children so my sister told me very rudely you're taking her from a beautiful harmonious joint family to live in a miserable nuclear family with you she'll hate you forever so i'm sure zoe is <laughs> oh going God. to punish me meanwhile my sister should write soap operas <laughs> yeah. i mean my dog sulks when we come back after we've left him for a few hours like if you if you call out to him and like oh tabla come here just what do you have to have a beagle i have a cocker spaniel Oh, cocker spaniels can really traumatize you. But Zoe has learned attitude. I know she's going to pretend we've never met. And at customs, I'm going to have to try and tell them she is my dog. She is really you know, my we dog. Were, we were telling Mohan in our episode with him about how there should be a sitcom on those days at L with the entire team. Like a, just a 20-minute per episode sitcom on running a fashion magazine in India. But I feel like this is the sitcom that should actually happen. This is the sitcom. Like, do you know that at L dogs were allowed you know this What You Stop. don't know this Brandy so I had a rule I said dogs and babies allowed no husbands and boyfriends okay Fair I enough. was like we we need things that will help us work harder and we will this makes life easier hmm. Mohan was the first person to get a dog he rescued a cocker spaniel called Scotch okay Yes And then I got a dog called we decided all our pets have to be named after alcohol Lovely. so I got a dog called Brandy then Prabal got a dog called Bubbles and then Shamli got two cats called Rum and Coke then Sasha got a schizophrenic cat who used to lick ashtrays so she called her schizophrenic cat Gin and Tonic we all had do- pets named after alcohol Brandy came to office more often than most of the people at work <laughs> as i would take the u turn to famous studio she recognized the office she would get out to the lift and come and on my last day at work i brought brandy so that she could say bye to everybody yeah, yeah l was like l was a magical special place you know someone's child would be sleeping on a cushion that i also used to sleep in i used to put a cushion under my desk and take short naps yeah. someone's child would be sleeping there my dog would be hanging out another dog would come and traumatize my dog and brandy at that point was the office dog i had an editor's photo holding her by the way netflix are you listening <laughs> yeah netflix are you listening <laughs> oh my god there's such an we opportunity here for a show do you know yeah at l every time a new priyanka chopra video would come out we would all line up in divya to try and teach us how to dance <laughs> L was not normal. Sometimes you would find me inside the box when clothes would have come. I would be lying inside <laughs> the box and the team is trying to tape me up. We we were very badly behaved. I just wish we could like we could not just oh. go back in time. I wish we could do that now cuz we are older cuz if we went back in time we could not be the people we are today. I can confirm yeah, though one time. Yeah, you know what? L was fun. One time at bazaar when I was packing a suitcase for a shoot the next day and I don't remember exactly what was happening but there was an element of stress about something and or I couldn't find something or um some logistic wasn't being able to be figured out and I had a moment where I just opened a suitcase and I just sat in it and was just like <laughs> like how much can I close this over myself sat that way for about 2 minutes and then got on with it you know what at L someone would have helped you happily put you in and locked you in <laughs> What I encouraged at L was insanity. Yeah. I wanted everybody to be a nut. I wanted them to be their own person, and I wanted you to bring crazy to the office. So we were, and you know, because it was a small office, it was not that media plex and cooperate yeah. with cameras and people. We celebrated food. 
I don't know how I'm not fat. We ate every hour. We did cake. And then we'd say, oh gosh, my mouth is so sweet. Can I get vada pao? My driver knew where to go. He would pick up 50 vada paos at a time for these fashion girls. And we had a rule. If you left the office, you called us from wherever you were and asked us, do you need food? And we'd be like, yes. Can you bring Frankie's? Can you bring McDonald's? Can you? I mean, do you know we got a frequent flyer card from Mad Over Donuts? Because we ate so many donuts that we had a loyalty card. I was like, guys, we are a fashion magazine. What are you all doing? endorsing donuts it was you know we had i had a table made an openable dining table food was laid out i hired a boy who would heat, heat our food we ate for an hour we would not do meetings from 12:30 to 2:30 because the because table it, had to be kept empty so we could eat because it was lunch obviously i am obsessed we ate every hour we were mad people were dancing people were singing watching youtube videos yeah. and my publisher used to tell me they're so badly behaved thanks to you and i'm like i don't care it's like we're still making a I feel, great I feel like Veera and I would have fit in so well. Yeah, no, I wanted crazy kids. And that's why we're all still close, you yeah. know. It's so weird. We're so close. Oh my God. I'm just thinking about what if we were there? We would have had I'm so much fun. I'm just thinking about like, the pitch I'm going to send like to Netflix. And like my Hera Fairy stupid jokes would have been accepted at least by like two Oh my people. God, you would have been legend. Do you know this? Because it was a thing to be hideously badly behaved. And there was, I mean, Janvi used to be called Bebo because she was totally like Poo and Divya was always imitating somebody. There was not one normal person. Anyone who's walked out of L has been batshit crazy. This is my dream of then I I promise you the next time or whenever I see you, my inner Babuda Apte is going she to She has an impression. I will we not should lie. Have an I'm L- just saying it. No, we should have an L reunion and call you kids. We talk at the same time, everybody. <laughs> so Veera and I would fit in beautifully. <laughs> it's just a podcast episode that will never end. Yeah. yeah, seriously, guys. Okay, so oh my God. just last thing to round up. Where can our listeners find you on the internet? <laughs> what do you mean that's creepy <laughs> oh no we, we, we met like social media can yeah. they follow you on social media <laughs> okay so I was like have there been pictures leaked on the internet I hope I look good that's my only worry I'm like I better look good you know but um, I think Moira I was going to say this is the Moira that was stole that yeah. line from me yeah. so I was like 100% I want to be on the internet but they better be good yeah. pictures yeah um Honestly, I think I use Instagram a little, but I don't love it. Yeah. I don't know how to explain this to you. Um, I like Instagram more than anything else because I do like a visual mm. medium. Strangely enough, I like how you can marry words and visuals. But I'm not terribly sure if I'm very much on social media. I don't know if that's I okay. post that often. I think that's also fine. Um, but I think that I'm on Clubhouse and I'm doing these conversations. Some are great. Some are okay. I like that it gives people a chance to speak. While we've said okay. what we've had to, I like that people feel that they can speak and someone can connect. I think I'm worried about people's ability to connect yeah. with each other because we're still very far away from being able to travel and hug our loved ones or connect in the way that we didn't realize we can no longer brush past somebody. We are terrified of doing that. Yeah. We see yeah. people and we cross the road. And... How on earth are you going to have a magical connection, make a new friend for 15 minutes over a glass of mm. drunken wine because they're sitting next to you yeah. in a great bar? I miss all of that. So I don't know how to connect with people. Um, it's such a great question. I would love to do it through magazines still, through storytelling. But this has been great. 
so people can listen to this podcast and feel as close as we did thank you so much nonita for doing this with us this was a fantastic way to end season 1 and we we really hope everybody enjoys the episode as much as we have and yeah we i don't have anything more to say cuz now i want to switch stop editing so we can chat without like worry but thank you for having me and i want to say that your questions were wonderful they were thoughtful they were beautifully researched um and they made me feel like you not only knew my work but cared to listen and that was really special thank you very much oh my god can i okay, stop recording this now? yes let's stop this what a fucking great episode huh? i loved it i still feel i should have spoken more but i i'm absolutely in love with this moment i don't think we could have gone out with a bigger episode than this i i completely agree it's a fantastic way to wrap season 1 of the tuesday wine season club season 1 i'm i'm sorry I, like we spoke about this in the intro but i'm still in disbelief that we actually did this i know it's it's a little like surreal in my head because i feel like i know these things actually happen i know we recorded with everybody but it almost feels like it didn't happen and i'm just listening to someone else talk with you my know, voice so like this is the thing like this this is nostalgia right it's little liar we're thinking about this in hindsight and we're like oh my god this was so much fun and it was it but really also was. behind that fun was also you and me stress calling each other 15 <laughs> times a day and like I feel like we got our organization down by the end of it but like in the yeah. beginning it was just pure chaos, chaos and panic. <laughs> but should we just do a little rundown of our guests and do some quick thank yous? We absolutely should. We definitely have to have to have to thank all our guests who yes also started out as friends and hopefully now strangers will become friends. Mm-hmm. I mean from everyone from Watchweta, Radhika, Rasna, Dhruv, Ira, Mehak Sachi, Kriti, Mohan, Nonita. I we thank made you. friends over this over this season. Yeah, we did. I think we expanded our circles. We made friends. Like honestly, I'm waiting to like like Mehak and I have to get trashed together. I promise you. Listen, I live happen. closer to Mehak, so I'm gonna meet her first. I hope. Okay. <laughs> we FaceTime you. We'll FaceTime you. We have to. Yeah, and we have to plan an event with Ida. Sachi yes. has to do. The oh, so for so it. like we spoke in their episodes. we have to plan like a wine and paint night ira will organize it sachi will do the invites we will do other things <laughs> and we just call everybody in one big space and just drink and paint and just enjoy each other's company a tuesday wine club moment also we can confirm it's been a few weeks since we recorded the episode with nonita we can confirm that miss zoe has reached her safely yes she has and she she's has she's thriving. left her pet hotel she's in a nice little ponytail sitting in a cafe she's so cute oh my god i love this dog and i feel like we can also extend thank yous to people who will never hear this but um, <laughs> <laughs> this this subjects of our bonus episodes thank you to the kardashians of course thank you to the entire cast of the devil west prada but most of all do you want to say the largest thank you sam to miss taylor alison swift you have been the soundtrack of the tuesday wine club <laughs> and we just want you to know oh i find this so funny <laughs> and finally the 
last and biggest thank you to our listeners for tuning in every week sharing the podcast with their friends so honestly sending us like the most wonderful messages about how they've enjoyed the episodes what they've learned the just debauchery that they had while they were listening <laughs> to us which is why you should definitely review our part <laughs> we should you should definitely review this podcast on apple podcasts <laughs> spotify don't you forget to follow us at the tuesday wine club on instagram oh, this has been too where you can also find our personal handles <laughs> we've said come this so many us. times we don't even need to refer to anything come stalk us we love the extra engagement but to wrap up sam yes sam yes what do you think about a season 2 ooh should we it's a lot of work i mean that it's a lot of work and we have some like both of us have some changes coming soon we do just like consider this as like as like your teaser for season 2 i think that's all we can say bye <laughs> <laughs> leaving them on a cliffhanger <laughs>